Good morning, my name is Brett McGarry, his is Greg Mackling, and some 21 years ago, I think we had like 40 centimeters of snow on the ground after the, the big blizzard that started on April. I think it started on the 5th, and ooh, I can't remember the timeline now. And I just threw that at you as we were coming on the air because I remembered that the 5th was the day I was coming home. I was actually still living in B.C., and I was coming home from Las Vegas, and I noticed this flight to Winnipeg had been canceled, and all these folks sitting around playing cards and and making the most of a bad situation, and then getting back to Vancouver to the news that this giant snowstorm had hit Winnipeg, and I know you were kind of in lockdown for a couple of days during that storm. Yeah, I was. I was actually working at Taco Bell the day of the 5th. I believe it started... I want to say it started in the afternoon because I remember truck plows going by Regent not once, but I'm pretty sure twice. So I think it started and I got sent home and then they shut down the restaurant early. And a friend of mine who lived in East St. Paul at the time actually had to crash at my place because he wasn't going to be able to make it home. So it started on the 5th and then it continued to snow into the 6th. And over about a 24-hour period, uh, we got it 48 centimeters of snow in Winnipeg. So yeah, I, would have, I guess it would have been snowing right now in Winnipeg. And then later on... Today, we would have come out and started cleaning up, (laughs) looked at the giant mess. Did it melt really quickly? Like, did it warm up quickly after that? I can't see that. I can't quite remember. I just remember the, uh, I remember trying to dig my friend out of his car was, (laughs) I don't know how he did this, but his car was stuck just in the middle of a side street. I think it was uh, on Harvard Avenue in Transcona, and it was just kind of on an angle in the middle of the street, and we had to dig out the whole street to get get his car out. And um, I don't remember the melt, though. I just remember the snow event being so significant, and then I guess it was just spring and the snow went away. And then, well, and then we had the flood of the century, or Winnipeg did. I wasn't a we. I wasn't a part of the we, at least physically. I certainly was emotionally. And speaking of emotionally, Winnipeg Jets winning last night, but mm. the Nashville Predators also won in ah. Washington. Nashville was down 3-2 to two, about uh, six minutes into the third period, scored a couple of goals, and so Nashville claims first place in the century. Division with the win by the Jets last night. And uh, thanks for the text from one of our loyal listeners. How does it feel, boys, to wake up this morning and see Winnipeg Jets not only second in our division, but second overall in the NHL? And that's right, the Jets are second overall with 112 points ahead of Boston, (laughs) ahead of Tampa. And so the Jets will round out the regular season tomorrow against Chicago, and they will face Minnesota Wild in the first round of the NHL playoffs starting next week, either Wednesday or Thursday here in Winnipeg is the anticipation. We will uh, likely see Jets on uh, Wednesday and Friday or Thursday and Saturday if the NHL scheduling gods uh, do their job uh, as they are supposed to do with uh, alternating days. Yeah, and I see there's a P beside Nashville in the standings, which means President's Trophy, which means what again, Greg Mack? That they will not win the Stanley Cup. They're cursed. (laughs) That's what it means. (laughs) Well, good. Good. And that's a distinction the Winnipeg Jets don't want to have beside them, but there is uh, an X uh, in the standings, which means playoff spot, uh, but that was... uh, 
How, when did they wrap that up? It, it, it well, wasn't week. until recently. Yeah, that they, but they last locked week, they, they, I mean, uh, for the Jets to have uh, basically, I think, six games more or less that wasn't that weren't going to uh, allow them to drop in the standings uh, is something for sure. Hey, memories of the 97 Blizzard, 204-780-6868. would love to hear from you. A Winnipeg woman convicted of impaired and dangerous driving causing death in a crash that killed her friend nearly five years ago is going to jail. James Hayes was just 20 when he was killed in 2013, and the woman who got behind the wheel... While drunk, was sentenced yesterday. Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade has more on what both the judge and family had to say. Still worked up. Still processing. And the family of a young man killed in a drunk driving crash, still grieving. But four and a half years to the day James Hayes died, his family is finally hearing the woman behind the wheel is going to prison. I'm hoping that um, our family can grieve now, have a little bit of closure, because that hasn't happened completely. On Thursday, Kendra Stewart was handed a four-year jail sentence and a seven-and-a-half-year driving ban for impaired and dangerous driving causing death. She was 19 when she crashed her car while speeding drunk down Henderson Highway. 20-year-old Hayes was in the back seat when he was killed. The knock on the door from a police officer on a Saturday morning, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Wouldn't wish this on anybody, not even them. The judge saying Ms. Stewart clearly intentionally took risk while driving impaired. The extreme violence of the collision is the result of her actions alone. Nothing's going to bring back my son. Nothing's going to make us feel better. But four years, I hope she does it all every single day. Hayes was about to become a father when he was killed. He never had the chance to meet his daughter. He would have loved her so much. She'll know that. She'll know that. I just wish she could have heard his laugh because it was one of a kind. Memories his family holds on to. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. It's Mackling and McGarry. One of the Global News series we've been presenting this week on 680 CJOB is the first time I was called hearing from prominent Canadians like NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, R&B singer Julie Black talking about the first time they were called bad things because of the way they are, because of Jagmeet Singh's race, because of Julie Black's race, because of Kathleen Wynne's sexual orientation. Yesterday on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, we heard from a panel of Winnipeggers who shared their experiences. And we'll start with former Winnipeg Blue Bomber and current restaurateur... Abi Khan, who brings us back to when he was in the second grade. That was when we had moved back from Pakistan to Canada. I didn't speak any English. Uh, and I remember vividly being picked on all the time. Uh, I was called the Paki. Uh, I was called just really mean things. Stuff was thrown at me constantly. And thank God uh, I had a friend in that class who actually spoke Punjabi as well. Uh, and him and I became really good friends. Uh, and I remember continuing through. And then it kind of came normal to make fun of me for being uh, an immigrant or a minority uh, or, you know, uh, from Pakistani descent. Then I became a giant. Then I became really big. Uh, as you guys know me, you know, I played pro football for a while and it kind of all stopped. Everyone stopped picking on me because I was the biggest one around and I wouldn't take it. Uh, if someone said something, they would probably get a knuckle sandwich. Next up, the artistic director of the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, Lara Ray, who is a transgender woman. 
then I knew from the time I was a child, a transgender child, that I was different from everybody else. But because I wasn't visibly presenting as as a girl uh, at that time, uh, it was my behavior that brought attention uh, to me, right? And so, you know, whether I was behaving in an effeminate way or I was more... Uh, interested in spending time with girls than I was with boys, and I didn't have the conventional male uh, masculine interests and so on. So I was called, you know, um, you know, the famous pejorative for for gays, you know, with you know a bundle of sticks in the UK. That was another thing I had to unlearn, right? So the faggot in in Britain is is a bundle of sticks. In in North America, it means a, it's a different word, and it's a pejorative for. For homosexuals, so this and my last name was Ray, so it's always they're always quite witty. So you know, it's um, it was gay Ray, you know, <laughs> all the time. And then I remember the one that really crossed over into the first time. I, I would say that I was bullied as a trans person. Something that happens to me now on you know on almost daily basis, uh, mostly online. Um, but um, was that. Uh, some boys in our class were kind of objectifying a girl. You know, they say, "Oh, look at the, you know, look at the breasts." They didn't say breasts. Look at this. I'd like to, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. And I said, quite sincerely and 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 unthinkingly, I said, "I'd like to be her because you know that's that's what I just wanted to be. I just wanted to be a girl because I knew I was a girl." And they attacked me, and they kicked me, and they pushed me down, and. So I was, you know, when I say a trifecta, it was one, I was, even though I'm straight, you know, I'm a straight woman, I was, I was seen as kind of on the queer spectrum. So I was, I was objectified as somebody whose sexual attraction was, was obnoxious and unpopular with other people. Then as a, as a girl, as someone, and, and I was taught that wanting to be a girl was somehow disgraceful. So being a girl was clearly disgraceful. So that's misogyny. And then my desire and my feeling and knowledge that I was a girl, my trans, my trans identity was also shameful and disgusting. So in three, three ways, I was reminded over and over again that the way I was born was not suitable. That is Lara Ray, artistic director of the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. On the first time I was called... Global news series that we've been running this week. We also heard from former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, Abby Kahn. They were on the news yesterday afternoon, just after 4 o'clock, with Richard and Julie. The panel also included a Winnipeg student and activist, Sapphire McLeod, and Althea Gibosh, a.k.a. The Bannock Lady. You can go to cjob.com and find the audio vault to hear the rest of it. If you can't find the audio vault, shoot us a text, 204-780-6868. We'll send you the link. Today on Jeff Courier's show at 11 o'clock, we'll hear from Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne about the first time she was called, and he will also be taking your calls about your own stories. Great stories. Uh, obviously, the subject matter is sensitive, Brett, but it's a terrific opportunity outstanding forum for people to share these things. We invited your text messages at 7806868 on the blizzard of 97, the blizzard of the century, which led to the flood of the century. And uh, this individual's recollection is this regarding the blizzard of 97. The The melt was slow. My daughter was born on the 21st of April. And we have pictures of when we brought her home and there's a fair amount of snow on the ground. Wow. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you on this Friday. And if it feels like a relief to get to Friday, boy, am I feeling you today. I'll bet. I don't ever, I don't typically live for the weekend or work for the weekend, but this week 
is an exception to that rule. I'm very much excited about uh, seeing 9.59.59 on that clock over there today. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, uh, of course, won last night, 2-1 over the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I was just looking at this video, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> congratulating Patrick Laine and the Jets on making it to the playoffs. And then some sort of cryptic message about April 11th. That's the night that NHL playoffs open. Mm-hmm. And so there's some speculation that maybe Snoop Dogg's coming to Winnipeg, <laughs> going to don a white Winnipeg Jets jersey. They already have Chris Jericho as one of their celebrity fans. Oh, nice. Along with Brock Lesnar. Wow. So <laughs> are they adding Snoop Dogg to the mix? I guess we'll have to find out on the 11th. The Snoop D-O-double-G? Yo, yo, or yo. Or Snoop Lion. Remember that? Where he, <laughs> that <laughs> where little face? Where he briefly be call, called himself Snoop Lion. Yes, I do remember that. Uh, he's Brett. I'm Greg. And free Wi-Fi is now available on a dozen city buses. You will know when you're getting on a bus with free Wi-Fi because it says so in about nine-inch tall letters on the side of the bus. It's part of a pilot project. That will run for one full year before the city decides whether or not to make it permanent on all buses. Cost the city about $300,000 to get the Wi-Fi system up and running. The mayor says it's all about improving the quality of the bus ride. But what about the cost of taking transit? Fares have been rising every year. At Thursday's news conference, the mayor was asked if there are more to come. Here's Global News reporter Tim Brook with what was said next. Mayor Brian Bowman says there are no immediate fare hikes coming, but he's not ruling them out. Uh, I haven't made that commitment. Uh, there are annual increases. Uh, certainly this year, we, as you know, based on the changing uh, funding from the province, we, we didn't need to increase the transit fares more than I think anybody wanted to. That hike came just this year. The city saying they had no choice but to raise fares from 270 to 295 a ride after the province changed its funding agreements. There was also talk of nixing 22 routes across Winnipeg. Instead, the city decided to raise parking fees at downtown meters and no routes were cut. But in the year ahead, transit's costs are only going up. The carbon tax will take effect on September 1st. Most of the city buses are diesel, and with a new tax of close to $0.07 a litre, Transit's fuel budget will climb almost $1.2 million. Now, just how the city decides to recover those costs still isn't clear, but it is possible more tough decisions are just down the road. And we've got some other big possible transit news, an exclusive from Global News and Richard Cluche with regard to New Flyer and the potential for a partnership between the city, the province, and New Flyer to bring more electric buses to Winnipeg. We'll play an extensive uh, audio package from... Paul Subri, who's president and CEO of New Flyer, in an exclusive interview with our own Richard Cluche. Meanwhile, it's a move the city of Morden is calling a first for Canada, offering free high-speed internet to its residents. As Global News reporter Joe Scarpelli reports, Morden says it can compete with top providers. We've got the uh, router here. This is Peter Cantillon's new router, powered by Mornet, the city of Morden's new community-owned high-speed internet service. This is a little bit of a higher-tech modem uh, than uh, most people have. He admits the connectivity is better than what he expected when the city asked him to test the service before offering it to the public. So you're looking at speeds of 20 
uh, 20 times faster than what we were seeing before. Morden will start accepting customers starting next month to a limited area and blanket the whole community by the end of August. We view it as a as an essential service that you need in the in the community like we have the library, we have uh, sports and recreation, we have streets and roads uh, and there that's all part of the tax system. The mayor promises taxes won't rise because of the service, and once Morden residents pay the $400 installation fee, monthly service is free, an offer that's believed to be a first in Canada. And so far, Cantillon gives it a big like. It's right there with the best offerings right now, not just nationally, but internationally in terms of speed and stability, based on the, the four months I've been testing it. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. Now, as mentioned, it's not all free. Morden residents will be required to pay about $400 for installation, which includes a router. Divide that up over a year, that adds up to about 33 bucks a month. Meanwhile, Bell MTS, the big provider in town, charges $30 a month for the first three months for entry-level internet. After that, you're looking at almost $65 a month for the same basic package. Yeah, that 400 bucks is a one-time charge. Mm -hmm. So after that... And, you know, that one year, you're 33 bucks a month, if you want to look at it that. You're free and clear after that. I've, I think it's an outstanding initiative, and we're going to have a conversation about whether or not Wi-Fi and access to the in Internet should be a right. Because we're getting close to that discussion in an overall sense, Brett. Uh, on the planet, things are changing dramatically, and if you are cut off, cut off technologically, your citizenry are at a severe disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're, I'm just, by the way, I'm just doing some quick math here. $30, because so $30 a month for the first three months for entry-level internet, 90 bucks, but then $65 a month for the remaining nine, that's $585. Yep. So 585 plus 90, that's uh, $675 on a year. Right. Year over year. Year over actually, year. Actually, no, and then on top of that, hang on, let me do the 65 times 12. Uh, oh, come on now. 65. Uh, 720, uh, 780, I think. <laughs> what, are, what are you, Rain Man? I think it's 780. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah, That's no, impressive. No problem. I lost, uh, I used to be very good at math. Yeah, what happened? Uh, I graduated high school. Yeah, but and you then know I stopped what? using it. Yeah, but you know what? Calculators <laughs> and all that stuff. So I try not to. I like to. I like to have fun with numbers. High-speed internet will soon be available to Morden residents as a basic service, just like water and sewer. Mornet, the community-owned internet service provider, is billed to be a 5G-powered offering. 100 megabytes per second upload and download speed. The city believes that it is the first in Canada to offer internet service at no monthly cost. So today we were having coffee talking about should access to Wi-Fi and the internet be a right? Shanalee Vidal, why don't we start with you today? Well, it's, it's interesting now that you think of it. <clears throat> um, I, I'm kind of on the fence about this because I think that it is becoming more and more uh, a necessity for people 
it's their way of staying in touch with the world, right? Because a lot of people are getting rid of their their cable. Some people don't even have home phones at home, and it's amazing the the amount of people who don't have access to unlimited data and and really require Wi-Fi. You know, if they come over to your house, they're looking for your Wi-Fi password. So it very much is is a need, uh, especially for those of us who need to check our work emails a lot when we're not at work. But then I think, what about the repercussions of that? Uh, there's going to be a cost, obviously, hypothetically, if Wi-Fi was a right, who's going to be paying for that? Is it going to be subsidized? Is it going to come of taxes? You know, there are a lot of questions there. So um, I think I think it's going to be that way. But I think there are a lot of questions on to how something like that could work out. Kelly, I I don't know. I I come from that old school of thought that you have to earn things that you get. So I'm a right. I mean, to me, you should have the right to learn. You should have the right to food and, and f- fresh water and, and all of the staples of life. Shanalee makes a good point. You are definitely going to be behind the curve if you don't have access to uh, high-speed Internet. But uh, using the word, is it a right? I, I'm not comfortable with that. And even before the Internet, when you would rely on the mail absolutely rely on the mail to be in contact with the government and get stuff, that's still not free. You still have to pay for stamps. And well, things, I, don't right? know. I, don't, I don't know if anybody's saying that it ought to be free because there is a cost to sign up yeah. for this service initially. Is it something, though, that should be assured? There should be some assured access. How about we rephrase it that way, Jerry? Yeah. Uh, well, if you, you rephrase it, maybe, but as a right, absolutely not. I mean, the rights are you have, like Kelly said, you have the right to, uh, you know, shelter. That's a right. Why don't we work on that one first if we're working on rights? Yeah, yeah. I think the wording is a little bit strong. Brett, what do you think? Well, yeah, it's it's tough because certainly in 2018, I mean, access to information, everybody should have the same access to the information that is out there. But look at driving, for example. That's not a right. It's still a privilege that can be taken away from you at any time. It's something that you have to earn. And for many of us, we have to drive. You know, if you live out of town, you can't. You don't have any other choice. You have to drive. Uh, for us here in the morning, we more or less have to drive unless we want to take a cab to work. So we have to have that. But it's still not a right to do it. And as far as access to the Internet, yeah, it's, I, I have a hard time using the word right to be able to log on and play Candy Crush. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, 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 I think it's an exaggeration maybe to help make a point, right? Uh, a right is, an ex- is, is, is a little bit of a strong terminology, but... You have a right to go into the library and get on the internet. Yeah, well, and so we've made that investment with yeah. a reason, right? You've been, someone at some point justified that to city council. To How say, about this for a question, though? Would you move, you're going to move to a small town Manitoba. Yes. Your options are Morden and Carmen. Right. Does that free internet maybe sway the, tip the scales one it, way? It sure might if there's not a lot to choose between the communities otherwise, right? Yeah. Just think of all the Altona people that are already getting <laughs> ready to They're clamoring. To They're clamoring. They'll never have it in Winkler, though, because real of Real estate prices. <laughs> just problems there, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, take that, Altona. No, take that, Winkler. <laughs> well, I, I, I referenced a, a piece that I saw on uh, CNN on uh, uh, Sarid, uh, 
Fareed Zakaria's global G, uh, global public square GPS on CNN about India and how they now have 450 million people in India that have handheld wireless devices. Oh. And that happened in seven years. They went uh, in one year from the 155th most connected country on the planet to being number one, surpassing China. And the government there and private industry there sees this as a worthwhile venture because it's going to allow people, some of them that don't even have electricity or running water, access to one of the things you said, Kelly, education and opportunities to be developers, to change their lives because of what they can learn and accessing this massive vault of knowledge, all the knowledge we have in the world in the palm of your hand. And that, what you just described, Greg, would be the one reason why I would be swayed on on you know, using the terminology of right, because I'm a big believer in giving everybody a level playing field to perform on, and then whoever works the hardest, tries the hardest, and you know, it, it is the most committed. They're the ones who will succeed. But uh, you know, don't penalize someone just because they don't have the wherewithal to be able to access this. So from that perspective. Yeah, I think it's important that we take a look at ways to do that. To make it available. You're like rapper Common, rapper, actor, uh, entertainer extraordinaire. Uh, He's in that Microsoft commercial, right, where he says we have more power at our fingertips than any generation in human history. It's what you do with it uh, that uh, will separate you. But he's right. We all have this access to be able to do incredible things. So from an education perspective, I think it is important that we make it easier for people to get the access. And indeed, the word right, I suppose, is a bit of an exaggeration. But if you, what other, is there something else that you can think of that would be comparable to Wi-Fi or access to the internet? Yeah, books. Books. And we've decided that libraries should be free for citizen. And for you to get a book, all you need to do is prove who you are and where you live, and you can go and borrow a book. And promise to bring it back. And promise to bring it back. (laughs) Well, you you skip the bringing it back part with the internet, and that's really what we're talking about is a similar sort of system. In my mind, it's a gateway to knowledge. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think a lot of communities, maybe along the same lines as as Morden, will probably take a, a step back before they rush into this and just see how this works. And and kudos to Morden for being a leader on this. I think, uh, you know, it's important for someone to at least test drive the uh, the mammal before we proclaim it a failure or a success. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how this pans out. I'm not a big gearhead, but the conspiracy uh, lover in me wonders if everything's routed through servers in Morden somewhere, can the mayor... Keep tabs on who's looking up what. I was just (laughs) thinking that. I was completely just thinking that. Will there be a question at some point about, well, we're not going to allow access to that website or that website. Analytica, Altona. Mm. (laughs) Tourism Winkler website's been shut down in more than... (laughs) Chandelier? Oh, now I completely lost my my, my train of thought. But, okay, in five to ten years, now we may not seem like a right now, but that can completely change because Good. information is changing so rapidly. Like us doing news stories, that those stories are getting constantly, constantly updated, right? Um, think about people. Think about uh, lower-income people. Uh, maybe don't you don't have a job. You're looking for a job. You need that access to Internet in order to be able to find a job and get job interviews. 
Hey, Jeff Braun, somebody just sent us a headline at uh, CJOB News at CJOB.com. Winkler Pilot crosses North Atlantic in single-engine Cessna. That's All right. pretty cool. So that's one gone and about 10,000 more to go. <laughs> Friday morning and uh, Jenna is it Jenna Fisher yes from the office yeah did you see she was on Jimmy Kimmel the other night I did not you know what she wore as a top you know that Seinfeld episode uh, Jerry where Kramer got worked up because that certain character was wearing a bra as a top and it ended up going to court as a distraction in a in an automobile crash anyway Jenna Fisher wore a towel I see as a top on Jim Kimmel the other night. <laughs> Apparently she had some sort of wardrobe malfunction with the dress she was planning to wear. Oh my goodness. And uh, ended up going out in a towel, a white cotton towel as a top, and she actually managed to pull it off. Yeah, that's, and there's all you got to do is look up Jenna Fisher and the first three things that you see. Jenna Fisher has comfortable Jimmy Kimmel appearance in towel after zipper <laughs> something. Uh, Jenna Fisher wore, that's on Toronto Star. Time Magazine, Jenna Fisher wore a towel on Jimmy Kimmel after a last-minute wardrobe. Anyway, why are we uh, talking about Jenna Fisher? Well, because I saw John Krasinski's name in this segment, and I thought, I don't know a whole lot about movies, but I know a lot about The Office, and I'm pretty sure John Krasinski's character and Jenna Fisher's uh, uh, character in The Office, is it Pam and Jim yep. were married? Yep. Uh, if you're listening, Kim Lawson, you would be proud of me for knowing that. Good for you. <laughs> Good. Well, and the reason why we're talking about that is because John Krasinski, a.k.a. Jim from The Office, is in a new movie this weekend with his real-life wife, Emily Blunt. I thought, I was wondering. That was my next question. Then I was just patting myself on the back for knowing the <laughs> Pam and Jim thing. They are married. That's what I, I'm, I'm there we go. I, uh, I knew that. And the movie they're in is called A Quiet Place. Yeah, it, it's it, it's actually that quiet. Is that the movie? <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, first, something about the movie we can actually listen to. In a quiet place, if they hear you, ah! they hunt you. A Quiet Place is the most original and scariest movie in years. And now it's 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Rated PG-13. Not quite 100% now. It's 97%. Oh uh, commercial's about a week old. But it's about... So it stars real-life married couple, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. They've got two kids. They live in this cabin in the woods. And they live in a world where aliens, monsters, I don't know. But if you make any sound... The monsters will hear you and come and eat you. <laughs> it All looks right, terrifying. <laughs> and uh, we only get glimpses in the trailers, but there's, <laughs> there's no dialogue. You, they've all learned sign language. And uh, if they make any sound, they, are, they have to, like, hunker down and arm themselves in anticipation of an attack. It looks super scary. But it's PG-13, so it probably won't be, like, really violent. 
But yeah, it looks creepy. Is there some underlying humor or is this all straight serious stuff? Oh, it's a straight scary movie. My word. Jeff you... Braun uh, already has his tickets for this, I guess. He wants to see it. He does. Eh? He's getting better with the scary mm. stuff. I all used to right. make fun of him all the time for being a scaredy cat, but uh, he saw Get Out and he really liked that. He's watching AMC's The Terror and now he wants to see uh, A Quiet Place. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Here's another one that's getting pretty good reviews. It's called Blockers. Just going through the laundry, found these new thongs. You know I love it when the music's loud, but come and strip that down for me. Tonight, I'm tearing these off with my teeth like an old school cartoon billy goat. Honey, Mitch, those are your daughters. So Blockers is about three parents of high school girls, and the parents are played by someone you just identified, Greg. Oh, Leslie Mann. I just... Sorry, Leslie Mann. You have a crush on Leslie Mann? She's a great actor. <laughs> she, she's she, super she's funny. so funny. She's so funny and, Do you remember? and charming and lovely. I still this think, is 40, right? Uh, yeah, well, and I, my favorite thing that she ever did was, I think, the 40-year-old virgin where she was drunk in the car. I want some fresh toast. That was kind of her uh, breakthrough role, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that one. she's married to Judd Apatow, too. Yeah, Judd's, uh, Judd's a pretty solid guy. But the cast also includes... This WWE superstar. And his name is John Cena! <laughs> yeah, Ike Barinholtz is in it too. So the three parents are concerned about what the girls are going to be up to on prom night. <laughs> Julie left her laptop open. Because you're snooping on our kids? No. We don't understand what they're saying, so it's not snooping. Oh my god, I love puzzles. <laughs> Some about an eggplant. And teenage emoji eggplants are. Wait, what? All emojis have a secret meaning, so like trees are weed, and this thing is Yas Queen. Yas Queen. This is a sex pet. They're planning on losing their virginity on prom night. Maybe it's not sex. They're just saying, hey, you're okay with me. You're okay with me. Maybe. So, Cena's daughter's next text, by the way, that came through was hashtag sexpact2018. So, the parents take, they head out to save their daughters from being teenagers. <laughs> They're getting away. WWVDD. What would Vin Diesel do? Hey, Fast and the Furious is completely unrealistic. It's not a documentary. I get that. One of the things that I'm actually really excited about with this film is that John Cena looks like he can hold his own with Leslie Mann and Ike Barinholtz. Uh, because he's had bit parts, right? He was in sure. Trainwreck. Yep. Really funny in Trainwreck. He wreck, was very funny in Trainwreck. Where he said, I look like... Marky Mark, I look like I ate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> he actually might have been the best part of Trainwreck for me. Yeah, he was really funny, and he uh, I haven't seen Daddy's Home yet. That's the one with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. So I think it was actually a, a, a good casting coup for them to get John Cena in that movie as a supporting character, because to have Mark Wahlberg and John Cena on screen is kind of cool. And but he's always had these little bit parts. I'm not going to go out on a limb and predict that he becomes the next Rock or Dwayne Johnson, because I think The Rock is in a, in a category all on his own in terms of these wrestling entertainers that have gone on to big things. Mm. Uh, the Rock... <laughs> I have a crush on Leslie Mann and one on The Rock because he is fantastic. And I don't know if he's ever looked better in terms of his physique. I just love to hear him engage in interviews. Uh, but I digress. He's uh, the most electrifying man 
in sport and all of entertainment. He called it 20 years ago. He <laughs> called his shot. He really did. He did. He's got a new movie coming out next week, by the way, called Rampage. Yeah. Based that, on the old video game. Yeah, I think that might change my thoughts on him a little bit. I'll just very quickly mention this. Uh, there's a third movie out. Helen Hunt plays the coach of a volleyball team, a high school volleyball team in a movie called The Miracle Season. Uh, it's a volleyball movie. Have you ever heard of a volleyball movie? Nope. I never. Think, I think it's cool. I love volleyball. I do too. And uh, it's actually based on a true story about a state champion high school girls team whose captain tragically dies in a crash, and now the rest of the team just feels lost. Oh so boy. they have to step up. They have to rise up so that they can try to repeat as champions. It's not getting the best reviews. That's though. too bad. I, I like Helen Hunt as well. Um, yeah, maybe I'll have to. Re- it sounds like a rental. Yeah. 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 It looks like it's still, I think it'd be neat to see the, how they stage the volleyball action. So that's what's new at the theaters. Couch Potatoes tomorrow at noon and then Sunday at 6. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on Google Play and on iTunes. Open the segment asking the question about the bras, the top from Seinfeld. One of our listeners on the ball, as usual, Sue Ellen Mischke was the character who wore a bra as a top on Seinfeld. Over the Counter Culture on 680 CJOB. Our series continues this morning. You can catch up on anything you might have missed at cjob.com or globalnews.ca. It's a new era for pharmacies, and good news for you might mean bad news for them. As part of our Over the Counter Culture series, 680 CJOB's Jeff Braun looks at some of the opportunities and challenges. Pharmacies make their money from something called dispensing fees, and few people know what they are. No idea. Aaron was up front about it. Um, I'm assuming what they pay to get the drugs, and I don't know. No, not really. Lisa took a stab at it. Um, I guess how much, I guess, shoppers would make off the, the pills that you're buying? I don't know. Getting there, let's ask Eileen. I do not know, but I think it is on my receipts if I looked closely enough. Okay, and do you know what a dispensing fee is? It would be what's charged by the pharmacy aside from the cost of the medication itself, right? And she's got it. Pharmacist Ryan Chan from the Exchange District Pharmacy on McDermott explains a little further. Dispensing fees are set by each store, so every store has their own formula on how they set the dispensing fees. The dispensing fee is used to cover the cost of rent, cover the cost of the staff, cover the cost of supplies, cover the cost of the operating expenses. So it varies per store. Pharmacist Manitoba President Barra Procision tells us the fees also cover some of the other things you might see a pharmacist for. In Manitoba, a dispensing fee also has to cover the services a pharmacist offers. So if we're doing a blood pressure check, a, a diabetes clinic, uh, counseling a patient on how to use their inhalers, showing someone how to give insulin, that's got to be included in the dispensing fee. The fact is, pharmacies are businesses like anything else, and businesses have to make a profit to stay alive. Because in in Manitoba, we do not charge a markup on a medication, so we have no markup on any prescription product. We have a cost set by the Manitoba formulary, so there's that base cost, and the dispensing fee has got to include any profit margin for that pharmacy. And the fees can vary from pharmacy to pharmacy for a number of reasons. It's a service industry, and like any other business, prices are set according to the business factors, including their overhead and and margins, and and what type of market they're in. You may see a different fee um, in a rural and remote area versus being right in in Winnipeg. They can vary quite a bit, too. The St. James Costco charges less than $4.50, while the Shoppers Drug Mart on Osborne charges $14. 
But while few people know what dispensing fees are, fewer still care. I don't know if I've ever noticed, because normally the prescription is covered by health insurance. Almost the full price is covered by health insurance anyways. That's right, your benefits or pharmacare usually cover the lion's share of it all anyways. And for most of us, a prescription is an occasional thing, and a few bucks here or there don't really matter. However, for some, like Kim, who has both MS and Crohn's disease, it's a big part of every day. I take about 15 pills plus a daily injection to keep my illnesses under control. That can add up fast regardless of dispensing fees. Pharmacare obviously comes in handy, and Kim says there are other alternatives as well. Sometimes you can apply for compassionate care programs. That's one thing a lot of people don't realize is that these newer, more expensive drugs, because they are so expensive, if you admit to your doctor you cannot afford this medication, there's often ways that the companies can actually give you lower prices. They're called compassionate care programs. I've been put on two of those so that way I could afford the drugs that my doctor was prescribing. The government has been trying to make it easier for people like him and anyone who relies on prescription drugs on a daily basis. More pills are being covered by Pharmacare, more generics coming on the market, and a $30 cap on those dispensing fees, which stands to save taxpayers more than $10 million a year. All good news for you and me, but not so much for the pharmacist. Uh, lately, for the past year or so there's been a lot of changes in government regulations so what happens is a lot of stores are compensating for those changes by increasing dispensing fees and there might be even more increases in the future. Precision agrees that there are challenges ahead for his industry but also ways to mitigate some of the problems they're facing. Pharmacists are business people and, and we want to see a sustainable healthcare system but again what, what we would like to see is some reinvestment into our expanding our services so that all Manitobans have an option to see their pharmacist because they think we're accessible, they know we're accessible, and uh, we've got training to, to provide more frontline healthcare services in Manitoba. In fact, he says without beefing up pharmacy services, things could get pretty dire. Forecasting about $100,000 in, in profits gone out of a pharmacy, the average pharmacy per year. Again, we want to be part of the solution um, in, in saving the healthcare system money, but we do think we have more to offer for frontline services. In other provinces, things like comprehensive medication reviews are covered, um, providing a longer list of vaccinations, you know, uh, adapting prescriptions um, so that you don't have to speak to a doctor every time a change needs to be made, and even continuing refills for a patient if they can't see a doctor. So um, I think if we were able to do that and the government was willing to look at that as an insured service, it would, it would be better for all Manitobans. For Global News, I'm Jeff Braun. Jeff Braun will join Jeff Courier this morning to talk more about dispensing fees. And this afternoon, Hal Anderson has a piece on clinical trials. And uh, that is a fascinating topic uh, that I know a tiny little bit about. So I'll be looking uh, to get more educated as I listen to Hal's show this afternoon. We'll invite you to do that and to check out all the features from this past three days on this series series over-the-counter culture, cgob.com with extended audio, video, and uh, other extended conversation on this topic that affects every one of us. Want more over-the-counter culture? Go to cjob.com. One, two, three...
Time for three things with Shanna Lee Vidal. Three things to look forward to this weekend. Good morning, Shanna Lee. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Happy Friday. Thank you, Shanna Lee. You're looking very angelic with the sunshine <laughs> hanging around behind you there. And your skirt that you made. My gosh. Donuts. What a, what a work of I, art. I got myself some fabric the other day and I, I spent a couple of hours last night and I made myself a skirt and it's covered in donuts. Not crumbs, but it actually has donut. <laughs> Don't admit fabric. Unlike the area around mine and Brett's desk, <laughs> that is, uh, the carpet is typically covered in donut and, and crumbs. So, and so, speaking of uh, wearing we're pigs, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, I could listen to you laugh all day long, Shadowly. So, speaking of uh, you know having cute things to wear, mm-hmm. uh, so one of the highlights of getting to the end of high school is getting dressed up all fancy and going to grad. But of course, as we know, formal attire can be really pricey. Not everyone has that kind of cash, especially you know you're getting close to you're thinking about university and. You're you really need to start saving money. Fortunately, now there is an organization that aims to provide gowns and accessories to high school graduates who are confronted by poverty and other life challenges so that they can celebrate their accomplishments in style alongside their peers. Now, in order for you to make those high schoolers' dreams, dress dreams come true, Gowns for Grads actually wants to dress you up. Nice. How, what are they doing? And how are they doing it? Well, Gowns for Grads is hosting its first ever party dress pop-up shop. Try and say that like five times really fast. <laughs> you do it. I'm not. <laughs> it's happening tomorrow, and it's to raise money and so that they can buy some some of the longer, fancier gowns that are actually more favored by the grads. So the nonprofit organization is planning to sell more than 300 donated shorter-style cocktail and party dresses, and they're only $20 each. What a great idea. Like, yes. Just a 20 Now, all dresses are cleaned and in very good condition. Sizes range from 2 to 14 and there are a limited number of size 16. So the party dress pop-up shop, it is located at 35A Albert Street and it will be open for, open to the public for that sale tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. There's nothing like seeing a picture of your fake nephew all dressed up for his high school grad. Shout out to uh, Calvin, who I've known since he was three years old. He's graduating. This He's getting ready for graduation this year and uh, his mom sent Jackie and I a picture last night and I moved me to tears to see this big man now young man he's six foot three six foot four I've known him since he was just tiny he looks so handsome in his uh, graduation uh, get up so he's already got his grad suit that's unreal wow oh, yeah, yeah it, and, of the curve. It, and it is styling it looks oh, really wow. good anyway I uh, just wanted to uh, it, it, I just wanted to tie it in there uh, what's number two number too. So it does seem that everything old is new again. Mm. You know, everything everything retro is cool, I should say. So this is something you might remember doing for fun as a kid. It's making a really big resurgence as of late. Of course. Good. Can you identify that sound? Oh, pinball. The, oh, no problem. <laughs> yes, that's right. Pinball. Pinbot. The Manitoba Pinball League. I bet you didn't know that place existed. There is a pinball league in Manitoba. Nice. So the Manitoba Pinball League, Phantom Musics, and Fourth Projects have announced that they are calling the what they're calling the biggest pinball pinball pop-up arcade that Winnipeg has ever seen. So there's going to be 20 playable games all in one place. So you can find that pop-up arcade at Fourth at 171 McDermott Avenue. The arcade is going to be open all day throughout the weekend, and we'll have a few more dates scheduled for next week. I said they have 20 games, and it's on the list. Uh, they have Back to the Future. 
Ironman, World Cup Soccer, Aerosmith. I didn't know Aerosmith had a pinball you game. Kiss had a pinball machine. Uh, I yelled pinbot because that was the one that I was fairly good at, could hit the high score from time to time. Uh, <laughs> you, whenever people like, like uh, get worked up about the price of video games this, these days, 60, 70 bucks, we used to play like a quarter at a time. It would be not unusual to go through three, four, or five bucks at a time at the arcade back in the 80s. And so you do that math now, uh, video games are a bargain compared to what we used to play a quarter at a time. Well, you definitely paid uh, paid a premium at the arcade. I spent 20 bucks when Ooh, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game first came out. I was in Florida on, uh, at the shopping mall in Merritt Island outside Orlando, and uh, I think I was Donatello, and uh, playing with three guys I'd never met. None of us knew each other, but we all played this game right to the bitter end. Twenty dollars later, it was amazing. How fun! Oh, yes. And that was a lot of money back in this back is, in the old days. Nineteen eighty nine. Did you just call it the olden days? I'm sorry. You, you boy, so, oh boy, you're so, hearing from my kids. So, so something funny. When I was a kid, I got a visit from the Tooth Fairy. Yes. Left me all quarters, nice. and it was like the Tooth Fairy knew that I had actually planned to go to the arcade that day. What was your game of choice? Was it Galaga? You know what? I don't, I Were don't even remember. Were you Space Invaders or are I, you older than that? I, Pac-Man? You know I, I, of course I liked Pac-Man. I liked the one with the food chasing people and there's a chef and there's... Burger time. Yeah, that one. <laughs> of course Jerry I do, knows. I do Immediately. Like, Generation I do like food. gap becoming very apparent. So, so now quickly getting to number three. Sure. So, of course, you might have been fooled when you looked outside this morning with all that snow, but I assure you, springtime weather will get here eventually. Don't make a promise you can't keep, SLV. <laughs> I, I'm going to be able to keep my word on that one. Spring will arrive. Now, in the meantime, it is a great opportunity to spend that long wait, long ish wait, uh, planning your garden projects and your home reno projects and getting all set for when that melt finally does happen. Happen. You're going to find some great ideas this weekend at the RBC Convention Center at the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show. So you get a chance to meet some experts, get some advice, see what kind of product products are available that meet your needs. And we're going to have a few uh, the HGTV personalities there at the Home and Garden Show. And some of them are actually going to be stopping by 680 CJOB. Mm-hmm. Adore Courtney and Dave Wilson from HGTV's Master of Flip. They're going to pop by later on today. And this and this weekend, if that wasn't enough, Hal Anderson is going to have Tiffany Pratt on Saturday and Todd Talbot on Sunday at 8.30 on both days. Pretty cool. And the Home Guard Show, by the way, it starts at noon today. Mm. And if you want to get an early start tomorrow, it starts at 10. And if you're uh, looking for a bargain, like I'm always looking for a bargain. Yes. Get your tickets online because then you're going to save three bucks well, off the price. Nothing to sneeze at. That's no. uh, 12 games of Ms. Pac-Man. All right. Well, hey, Shanalee Vidal, thank you very much. Three things with Shanalee Vidal. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you till 10 o'clock. And the NDP wants the province to ban restaurants from making female servers wear high heels. The private member's bill was introduced this week by NDP MLA Nahani Fontaine. Certainly in 2018, we can do better for women and we can create a a safe and equitable space in the workplace. 
It's targeting any footwear requirements that might be inappropriate in any workplace. The bill has already passed its second reading with the support of the Conservatives and is not on its way to committee. A similar bill was introduced in B.C. last year. Ontario is also considering a similar ban. A few years ago, Winnipegger Amy Tuckett made a documentary called Hell on Heels about the detriments of workers being forced to wear high heels on the job. She joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Ms. Tuckett, good morning to you. Good morning. Amy, I was a restaurant guy for an awfully long time. I was a manager, I was a restaurant owner, and I don't recall ever insisting anyone wear anything other than appropriate footwear to serve tables. Now, I admit I got out of the restaurant business almost 20 years ago. When did this change? When did restaurants start deciding that it was uh, form over function? Uh, That's a good question. I believe, um, you know, these restaurants started doing this about 20 to even 15 years ago. And we really saw it um, develop over the last uh, 10 years, I would say. So is this a thing where there are still restaurants in Winnipeg and Manitoba that have mandatory high heel dress code for some of the serving staff? Yes, there definitely is. Um, The petition that we did um, a few years back did create some change with some of the restaurants, but there are still those that require at least a one inch, if not higher. I don't understand this because workplace safety and health should be superseding everything else. When I was doing this project six years ago, I'm not sure if they've changed their tune, but when I contacted them, they said the onus was actually on the employers to create a safe environment. And, um, you know, these women are often in sort of precarious employment without any um, uh, in non-unionized environment and little protections. And so I know a lot of them felt very uncomfortable speaking up about um, this issue. Oh, no, you, you mentioned that there are some restaurants that have made changes. Uh, can you tell us some of the ones who have made changes in the right direction? Um, I did hear that Earl's has gone to a um, gender neutral uniform or that they can wear a gender neutral uniform as well as um, flats. Okay, yeah, because I, I remember a time, and this goes back oh, at least five years, maybe longer, where I was at Moxie's at St. Fatel, and uh, the servers in the lounge at Moxie's uh, over recent years, have, have you know their outfits have become rather skimpy. But I remember watching this young lady struggle because her she was wearing fairly high heels, and she dropped something, and she couldn't even bend down to pick it up because the skirt was too short and the heels were too high and uh, there would have been too much revealed, shall we say. Yeah. And you know, these restaurants, um, often it isn't a choice what these women wear. Um, I've heard stories about where they have to sort of put their arms by their side and their skirts have to be higher than where their hands lie. Um, And so, you know, this isn't a choice. Women shouldn't have to put themselves at risk for short and long-term injury just because their employers want to objectify them for their clientele. Yeah, you know, I, I just, uh, uh, Amy, you've done such great work on this, and this just bothers me to no end because the the battles I would have with uh, female employees when I was a manager and an owner was over them underdressing and wearing skirts, skirts that were too short and wearing heels that were too high because safety and appropriateness was something that 
any of the companies, and you mentioned one of them. I worked for Earls off and on for almost a decade, and uh, back when I worked for that company, that was that was never part of the deal. Yeah, well, it 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 definitely was for a long time. I spoke to many women who did, and and um, you just have to look also at the women that they hire there. That. Um, that there's discriminatory hiring practices in place as well because you you only see a certain type of woman work there and it's not uh, it's not on them at all. Um, it's that these these employers are objectifying these women and putting them them at risk. Yeah, well, for the longest time there, there was that uh, that term Earl's girls, right? Uh, oh. Like, can I? As somebody who does not wear high heels. Uh, can you maybe just g- explain a little bit the, 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 the safety issue? Uh, I mean, it, it seems fairly apparent, but uh, just in case I'm missing something, can you, can you go into some detail as to why it's unsafe? Sure. Well, there, there's a lot of short-term issues. Um, so for conditions like plantar fasciitis and, and sore backs and blisters and all those things where we've heard of women who have to soak their feet in ice buckets and they have, you know, bloody feet and all that stuff. But but the long-term ones are the, are the ones that are of real concern because that's stuff like osteoarthritis and the knees, hip and back, um, foot conditions like hammer toes and bunions. And, you know, bunions are no joke. They require an invasive surgery with about a three to six month healing time. And so um, lots of times, even after these women have quit these positions and are in different positions, um, they might get osteoarthritis and that kind of thing and not even connect it back to when they were working in high heels. Amy, you know, we've been talking about the, the change in the smoking bylaw here in Winnipeg uh, with regard to patio, and we have the discussion because uh, it reopens the conversation about smoking in restaurants and bars. And you go back to the 1990s when that legislation came into place. It was all about workplace safety and health. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine that workplace safety and health is deferring this to the employers like this, they must have, they, they have some culpability in this, in my mind. Yeah, and you know what, I really applaud uh, Ms. Fontaine for bringing this issue forward. Um, I'm also happy to see that it's crossing party lines with Minister Squires voicing her support for the bill. And um, I really think that, uh, that it requires legislation to stop because it's a sexist and discriminatory practice. And really, um, they just need to, I think it needs to be legislated. It needs to not be on the employers. Well, another thing that uh, Honey Fontaine also said was, hey, I like wearing heels, I think, but I just think it should be a choice. If you want to wear heels to work, okay. But if you, you, know, you don't want to wear them, you shouldn't have to. Absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would even go on the other side of it, though. Just being mm-hmm. from old school, it's like it's not mm-hmm. safe. It's not smart. Yeah. It's not practical. It's not safe. Do you look terrific well, in, in the, the high heels? Yes, but I, you, you know, uh, safety has to be the primary concern in my mind. Well, and she's like that. That specifically to restaurants. Yeah, I think she's just saying if you work in an office or something, you want to wear heels. Go ahead. Sure, sure, fair enough. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, you put the your documentary Hell on Heels. Am I understanding correctly that uh, you put that together uh, when you were a, a student at Red River College in creative communication? communications? Yeah, yes, that's what I did for my project, yeah. What year did you graduate? Uh, 2013. Okay, well, I'm class of 2004, so I just wanted to oh. say hello to uh, a fellow uh, pre-commer. <laughs> okay. You're everywhere. <laughs> uh, can can we your documentary be seen online somewhere? You know what, it's taken down offline right now, but I am working to get it back up. All right, well, Amy Tuckett, uh, documentary filmmaker of Hell on Heels, thank you so much for joining us to give us some feedback on this important topic. We appreciate it.
Thank you. Take care. 845 on 680 CJOB. Getting lots of text messages from former restaurant workers who had different situations where they were told certain things and things that were mandatory, including high heels. And uh, I guess I just, I'm from the old guard, Brett. I missed that era of the restaurant industry where that became the norm. And uh, it, it genuinely bothers me that that's where things went. Because for me, there was nothing more important than the safety of any of my employees, my co-workers. It was, it was mission number one to keep them fi- uh, safe, either you know physically or to keep them from harm in terms of harassment uh, from fellow workers or from customers. So this, this, this really cheeses me off. Well, not just from a safety perspective, but from a service perspective as well, because how quickly can you move Can't. when you're in heels? Uh, you'd often go to these lounges and the servers have to move a little bit slower because they're trying to balance the drinks and just trying to balance themselves on the heels, right? And, you know, if I'm sitting in a lounge and I'm thirsty, <laughs> bring me my drink! Some of these women are masterful and are elegant in doing their job in these in, in, in this footwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, a tip of the cap, if you want to do it, uh, let's have a discussion about it, but I, I don't. I honestly don't see where it could possibly be right for it to be mandatory. And I'm on the, almost to the point where it shouldn't even be an option. Time to play the game. <laughs> One of wrestling's biggest events is this weekend: New Orleans WrestleMania 34. Producer Kyle is here. He has just been salivating over this event. He's here to give us a preview. Hey, Kyle. Hi. Nice to see you guys. Nice to see you, too. I see you're you're dressed in full wrestling regalia. With I have your a couple wrestling t-shirts, so I had to rock one today. Couple? A couple, a couple. drawers. Yeah. Full. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I realize wrestling for... A lot of people hear the word WrestleMania or just professional wrestling and immediately sort of roll their eyes but this is a huge event for millions of people around the globe yeah it's easily the biggest event in wrestling year in and year out it has um even by casual fans uh you know it's a stack card for anyone you you know a lot of these people even if you don't follow wrestling uh brock lesnar fought in the ufc for many years ronda rousey is participating she fought in the ufc for many years uh daniel bryan who is a really popular wrestler he had been retired due to injury and yep. he just came back last month so everyone's really excited about that triple h as you heard his music before he is fighting alongside his wife stephanie mcmahon who is also the head of, or the daughter of the head of the company vincent kennedy mcmahon so vincent kennedy <laughs> McMahon. You are you the, angry at he, vince mcmahon no he, oh that's right i only use my middle name when uh when that's right so, also yeah. worth pointing out triple h aka hunter hurst helmsley yes f- real name paul michael levesque uh is 48 years old yeah his first wrestlemania was wrestlemania 12 which is was in 1996 so he's been around and he has I don't think he's taken one off. He's been in a lot, and he's, yeah, and he might not even be the oldest participant in WrestleMania because it's still rumored, but The Undertaker might be making an appearance on Sunday. He is 53. Yep. And I admire them for not showing him on television much because he does not move around very well anymore. So if they can keep him in the dark as long as possible, then... All, well, the, all the better for everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, well, yeah, he's 53 and is he's a big man. He is, yes. And he uh, was a very dynamic performer, high-impact performer, and his body's basically broken, is it not? Uh, yeah, basically every year for the past, I'd say, five or six years, he had been working for WrestleMania. He had been fighting for WrestleMania, and then he just basically took the year off. 
yeah. and sort of built his body back up to have a 30 minute wrestling match once a year. And we'll see if that happens on Sunday, I guess. I'm 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 thinking it will, but you never know. I'm curious, has the WWE managed to bring in new superstars? Because all of these names are familiar to me, the ones that you've just uh, espoused uh, so eloquently, uh, Kyle. But are there new superstars uh, emergency? There are lots of new ones. There's ones that are sort of um, almost um, brought in. There's ones that are brought in. There's ones that are also just sort of built into the business, like uh, Ric Flair's daughter, Charlotte Flair, is fighting in a big match. Um, the One of the big matches for smart wrestling fans, quote unquote, is... Uh, AJ Styles, who is who was brought in, he fought over in Japan for many years and for other wrestling companies. He's fighting against Shinsuke Nakamura, who also came over from Japan a couple years back, and they're going to put on a really great wrestling match, I hope. But that's sort of the thing they like to take people from other companies when they're kind of ready to make a lot of money, and they do build up their own superstars as well. Brock Lesnar's fighting against Roman Reigns, who's their own. You know, bought and you know he he is part of their company from the start. So. It just feels like uh, Young and the Restless. Like oh, it, like, it is one hundred percent Young and the Restless. You don't miss uh, a, a, an episode, or you tune in once every ten years. You get caught up in the same amount of time. Oh yeah, and they do. You know, a lot of the storylines are pretty bare bones in terms of you take. You know, you watch it for ten minutes. You go, okay, I know this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. This is why they're angry at each other. And then they fight, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they, they put it, and, and I, I know I've said this, and people often scoff at it, but professional wrestling is an art form. They're put, they're telling a story. It's it's very much an orchestrated kind of dance, as it, as you will, that just happens to be you know violent. Well, exactly, and you could know. You can say, "I'm going to punch you in the face right now," so get ready for it. But then you have to go and make it look realistic, mm-hmm. and it's still. You still get hit in the face, whether or not you know it's coming. You just have to get your arms up at the right time so you don't, you know, knock all your teeth out. But you're still bumped and bumped and bruised at the end of the match, whether or not you knew I was going to fight this guy leading into it. Yeah. Well, WrestleMania uh, 34. I went to see WrestleMania X7 in Houston. It was one of the greatest highlights of my life as a wrestling fan, and it's still viewed by uh, insiders as the best one yet. So lucky for me. Yeah, I know that's sort of one out WrestleMania X7. I went and saw X8, so I got to see uh, The Rock versus Hulk Hogan in, in Toronto. That was a blast. It wasn't overall one of the better WrestleManias, but getting to see The Rock and Hulk Hogan square off was uh, a memory I'll always have. Producer Kyle, host of What's Brewing on 680 CJOB from 5 until 6 a.m. on weekdays, talking WrestleMania 34. Thank you very much, Producer Kyle. You're welcome. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. We want to talk about the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. Larry Ooh. Ray is here again. Hi, again, I'm back. Yes, the artistic Never director left. for the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. Lara was on yesterday afternoon on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham regarding our series, The First Time I Was Called. Thank you very much for your honesty on oh, that, Oh, thank Lara. you. You're welcome. It was lots of, it was, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, hopefully it was helpful. It was oh, very it was, compelling. It was excellent. Thank you. Yes. And uh, Lara has brought some friends with her today. I have. Partic- well, do you want to introduce them? 
Um, no, go ahead. You're, you're, you're need to <laughs> a couple of comedians, Dana Smith and Tim Gray, uh, participants in the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. Hello, Thank you very hello. much for coming. Thank you for having us. So, you're Tim, so welcome. I spoke with you. Did I? Were you here last August as well, or is this your first time here, Dana? Uh, it wasn't my first time, but I don't remember when I was here last. Okay. All right. Hey. Well, it was clearly it was a it was a memorable visit then. Yeah. Uh, but Tim, I spoke with you last year about your hood's a joke. That's so, right. A show that you did over the summer. Greg, right. you were on holiday. Oh, it's a so, good thing. You didn't get to participate. Do you want to take him on since he's from the West End very quickly? <laughs> this will be a mistake. Okay. What, so area, where, what area are you from, again? Uh, I'm the Cordon. Oh, yeah. Cordon area. Cordon. That should be cordoned off. That's the kind of jokes you'll hear. It's done. It's so already cordoned. This is like a roast show, but instead of roasting people, we're roasting neighborhoods. That's yeah, right. The, the, and if anyone came out in February, it was a, it was a gangbuster oh, show. So eh? Yeah. Um, you know, North Kildonan versus the North End. Yeah. And, and we're doing East K this year. We've Love got it. Wolseley. We've got uh, Westwood. Yeah. Westwood versus the West End? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not even close either. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. And then, uh, it's because the West we End just keeps a, losing, I guess. We have a national <laughs> version as well. Oh, yeah? And so, yeah, cities. Oh, nice. So I'll be defending Winnipeg against uh, Edmonton. <laughs> That'll be easy, too. That'll be pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. And then with city battles, university battles, Very U of M cool. versus U of W. That's at the gas station on Thursday night. Thursday right. night. And it's such a good, good fun. Yeah. And it is kind of a debating show. Yeah, And we've is. had a show for a number of years uh, at the festival called Debaters. And this is why I brought these two, because... Uh, you know, for instance, if uh, you know if you if you're familiar with the show, if you've come out to see it over I the have. years, then you know that you know the topics are pretty, you know, uh, generic, and and uh, you know I'm doing or do birds make good pets? <laughs> so I think for the first time in the show's history, we're getting very very specific, and yeah. and basically the 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 resolution is um, should you marry your partner? That's Dana? right. That's right. Tim and I are going to be debating each other, one another, uh, on the topic of should we get married on the stage? Have you, like, is the first time you've met each other today? Or? <laughs> uh, no, you guys have been together how long? Seven years. Seven, seven years. years. Okay. And yeah. Tim has asked me to marry him too many times, and I keep <laughs> saying no because uh, I don't want to get married. That's um, right. But so you can this, be convinced by this rhetoric. This is the only yes. way that I could be convinced. Yeah. This is the only way that I would go through with it. Mansplaining. Is if he mansplained his way. That sounds like a really not good approach. Yeah. I, I wouldn't suggest you mansplain it. You might not get the desired yeah. result. Yeah. Tim, just a little yeah. advice here. And I mean, and one thing, to, just to be very clear um, is uh, all joking aside this is completely in earnest for yeah, sure. a legal yeah. marriage yeah. if, yeah. if legal the wedding. audience votes what? you're yeah. leaving this to an audience vote? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're leaving it to an <laughs> yeah. audience vote well not just but to the power of persuasion that's right yes. right? Yeah. If, if Tim is convincing <laughs> then the audience will, will side with Tim you would imagine and uh, I definitely have a long road to if Dana's travel. cry for help can be heard loud enough <laughs> they, the audience will protect her so Tim how many from times a life of misery how many times have you proposed to Dana? 
Uh, probably four or five times, including once in Paris, France. Oh, that sounds that terribly the, romantic. That, oh. Share that story, Dana. <laughs> it was not romantic. It was not. A lot of people think that Paris is this like romantic city, yeah, it but romantic. like it's just a city of pee and thieves. It smells like pee, and you're getting robbed. Like that's yeah. what it is. No, I, I had was to propose because the ring was about to get stolen. <laughs> <laughs> I was out there on a, I was I was traveling around Europe with. With two of my friends, and, and I'm like, someone else. No, no, two of my my best gal oh, pals. So you're her. saying that Tim uh, actually you, wasn't invited? You intruded. Exactly. You, you, you intruded. Yeah. First mistake. Inter- international yes. stalker. Quote unquote, surprised me yeah. in Paris, <laughs> and uh, and then proposed to me in front of the Eiffel Tower um, but he was uh, uh, I don't know how to put this ni- nicely he was drunk he was hammered yeah. he had like wine mouth oh, and God. I wasn't Cheap feeling French good wine. that day <laughs> Oh my God. I was feeling sick and I just wanted to go home but he kept trudging me along to see the <laughs> Eiffel Tower <laughs> and then he proposed with his great grandmother's ring which um, sounds That's sweet right. until you find out that his great grandmother ring uh, was missing the center stone. Well, um, how, could he, how else could he pay for the plane ticket? A ring missing the center stone, there's nothing quite as ugly as that. <laughs> it's almost like a hairless cat. You know, <laughs> I was starting to think, Brett, that this was going to be no contest, right? Yeah. That Tim's going to sweep everyone off No, their no, it's, it's going to be You are way behind the eight ball on this one, Tim. But it should be very interesting. If any of the judges have this information in advance, you are swimming upstream, brother. It's going to exactly. be the audience's vote. So they're going to applaud for either Dana or myself, and I definitely have an up-the-hill uh, road to travel. Well, I but, don't know. I think that you've got everything going for you. I think that if I win, then I'm the underdog because, like, I think that you have your your. He's going for the sentimental vote. Sure. He's going vote for love. Yeah. If you if you love love, vote for me. I'm Tim and Tim's. Yeah. If you don't like for those uh, for the listeners, Tim's an adorable man. Like he's just he's he's lovable and everyone falls in love with him right away. I'm less lovable and so I have to work <laughs> past that with logic. But I think I can do it. But I love you. Yeah, yeah. and I love you too. <laughs> Tim, uh, how sweet is that? The festival has done due, due diligence, and also um, I will be uh, I will be performing the ceremony. Should it be, if be this uh, come to this? Yeah, if really. it should come to that, and I've done it before, so I'm quite excited about it. And but, yeah, I got the tuxedo rented. I've got uh, the ring. You have a stunning dress. Yeah. Just in case. Installed yeah. In the ring? yeah. Not yet. Oh, Tim. <laughs> yeah. WinnipegComedyFestival.com is where you can get all the information and see their gigantic schedule. This starts tomorrow at the Forks, the Common at the Forks, Laughter in Common, free event tomorrow night at free 7 p.m. Free event with Juno Award-winning comic Ivan Decker. He's so and, funny. Uh, yeah. He's incredibly funny. And it's a good chance to come down, pick up a schedule, find out some of the other great stuff that's going on. We kick off officially Monday night, the red carpet comedy show at the Gas Station Arts Centre with Derek Sagan, Sirius Satellite-winning comic. <laughs> Derek. Uh, francophone, uh, you know, but performs uh, on Glace. Uh, just one of the funniest comics. Most popular comic in Canada. I Great lineup, Many, Lara. many, many ways. Great lineup. Dave Foley, Chris Jericho's coming. 
That's um, right. To host the Sports Gala. I am mm-hmm. Chris Jericho. I am Chris Jericho. And, uh, and um, we have uh, a tremendous uh, number. What's the joke? Which we've. Uh, what about Snoop Dogg? Are you not going to have Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg nor Martha no? Stewart will no. be here okay. this year, but Emma Hunter will be here. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we uh, we have great shows at the gas station all week. We have the Dirty Show, if you like it a little more provocative, at the Mad on Saturday night. We always have a show that where we just basically no holds bar, you know, mm-hmm. the comedy equivalent of... Uh, WrestleMania. Connor throwing a garbage can <laughs> at <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have That's Lara Ray. We also have Dana Smith and Tim Gray. Uh, Tim, what else are you going to be doing other than your, so the debaters where you may or may not get That's married? Right. Yeah. Your Hood's He's a joke. Hood's a joke. And who are you Sunday. defending for Your Hood's a joke? I'm defending Corden, and I'm up against Osborne Village. Oh, so. that's a, that'll be a good one. Yeah, that should be a good that's one. That's a fair fight. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> Corden <laughs> used to be like Osborne Village. Oh, yeah? Before it collapsed. A lot of empty store fronts. Oh, we're starting already. Osborne's not even here to defend itself. And Dana Smith, what else are you going to be doing? I'll be hosting uh, a free noontime show at the Millennium Library on Tuesday the 10th. And uh, Do you have to present like this at the library? <laughs> Actually, they're pretty cool. I sure hope not because I am very yeah. loud, and Lara knows that. Like, I think I our downtown library isn't uh, isn't so prickly when it's it comes to people making to a lot of noise in the in the atrium there, right? I think I'm allowed to be loud, but I'll tell all of the audience to shush. Yeah, <laughs> it's an awesome it's an awesome show, and you can come at your lunch and you can find out about the fest. But it's also, and this has been part of our mandate. For so long is just to make the the festival economically, um, you know, viable to to everyone in the city. So from free shows to you know to thirty dollars for debaters, thirty five dollars for our galas. We try to keep it affordable. It's the Winnipeg Comedy Festival in support of the Gas Station Arts Center. WinnipegComedyFestival.com is the website. Lara Ray is the artistic director, along with Dana Smith and Tim Gray. They will be performers. Thank you so much for coming to visit us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. When you're mine, oh mine, I'll hold you, baby. I'll be call them the Wilsons or is that Courtney and Dave? I mean, I know they're the same two people, but... Stop, you're both right. <laughs> that iteration, that song under the Wilsons? That one right there, they were known as Courtney and Dave. Courtney and Dave Wilson. Uh, we'll introduce you to them in just a moment. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you on this Friday morning, 936. Question of the day is in. That means it's online at cjob.com. Go and vote. Do we need more garbage? And recycling bins in Winnipeg. And I don't mean in your driveway or in your backyard, but like out on the streets in general. Are there enough places to put your trash in your recycling? Yes or no? Question of the day is for Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca or call 204 204- 987-6890. So one of the many things that Greg here is good at, and I am not, is home renovations. As such, he's a big fan of HGTV. Also, the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show is on at RBC Convention Center. Started yesterday, and it goes through the weekend. 
And they're going to be speaking on the main stage tonight at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Courtney and Dave. Oh, I'm excited about this. They're going to tell you about their experience flipping over 60 homes on their hit series and how they transform rundown disasters into stunning one-of-a-kind family homes. And they'll share their tips on how to add value to your home from the pretty to the nitty-gritty. So, Greg, I'm going to turn this over to you because I know you're... A huge fan of Courtney and Dave, who live in Nashville, by the way. Really nice to meet you. So we appreciate it. I know how busy you guys are. So why don't we uh, jump right into this whole idea of flipping homes. We'll talk a little bit about Nashville, and uh, I'll have you think about what might happen if the Winnipeg Jets and Nashville Predators end up playing one another in the playoffs, who you might cheer for. I'm not going to ask you now, but I'll let you think about it. Talk about your first okay. Talk about your first flip, if you wouldn't mind. Courtney, let's start with you. I imagine... Imagine it's you that planted the seed in in Dave's brain that this would be a good idea. I just have a feeling. Why would you think that? I just I have understand. a sense. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because it, it kind of happened by accident. Dave and I, um, we had our, just had our first child, and we had this house in East Nashville, and we found another house on our street that we really loved. And at that very moment when we decided we, it was okay for us to carry two mortgages, we both had jobs. <laughs> but shortly after we bought the house, we both lost our jobs and our publishing deals. And we were carrying two mortgages. And over Christmas, our first house flooded. And we were broke. And so we took the insurance money and renovated it ourselves. And our real estate agent at the time was like, oh, my gosh, you guys have a knack for this. You should think about flipping houses. And that's ultimately how it started. So our goal on the first house was to make $10,000. And we laugh at that now, not because $10,000 isn't a lot of money, but because you can never flip a house thinking there's only $10,000. <laughs> now it's nothing for us to go over budget, you know, twenty, thirty thousand. So, but anyway, $20,000, $25,000 on that house. Well, Dave, what should people be if, if, if they decide to take that step to flip a home is the, is there a minimum goal that they should be trying to to make? Well, there's no minimum goal. There's just a, a safety risk that you have to consider. So start small. Don't do what we do on TV, where you're you're <laughs> you're you're completely renovating the entire home and adding on to it. Start with like um, what Courtney calls a lipstick and rouge, where you paint new windows, new siding, uh, a new roof. Um, those are all things that are, are quick calls to contractors you can do. But don't get too involved until you know what you're doing. You always get in trouble for going over budget, Dave. And uh, Talk about the relative difference. I don't know if you have anything to correlate it to in Canada, but I know when I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking about the cost of windows and shingles and, and some of the items you just mentioned, uh, comparing the cost of those things in Canada versus uh, where you live in Nashville, I, I get very jealous, I have to say. Yeah, well, and, and it, it's a completely different market. So... Um, a window that we would spend $300 on or $400 on may cost you guys $800. So that's why we try to never give, you know, budget advice to Canadian flippers because it is very different here and it's different in every market. So if you're flipping in Texas, it's, it's a different window cost, a different siding cost. If you're flipping in Nashville or Toronto. So you just have to run your numbers and have a good team around you that can advise you in case you're crazy, which sometimes I tend to be with my budgets. 
Courtney, I'm just looking at HGTV.com right now, and I must admit I'm uh, a little jealous of your closet situation. Uh, it, it says here that uh, you renovated your, your master bedroom into a walk-in closet. So my first question on that is, where is the master bedroom now? <laughs> okay, so we had two rooms back-to-back. And so we had our master on the left, and then the, the room in the middle was kind of like my little office space off our master. And then, then there's a room to the right that's a big master on suite, like a bathroom. And so, um, you know, we, we, like other people, were like, oh, we'll take the biggest room and put our bed in it. I don't, I don't share those, that same sentiment anymore because the closet is, like, fabulous and is a great start to every day now. And it's a complete walk-in thing. It looks almost like a kitchen. It has a massive island and then a shoe closet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here's the thing. I have a lot of stuff, and I think that, um, you know, if I just cluttered it all into, you know, I can have a, a lot of people have closets this the size of my closet. They just kind of shove everything in corners and stuff. And I just wanted it to make it a really pretty room. It, that, that should come as no shock to anybody. Well, you have great clothing and you have a, a great wardrobe, Courtney. Dave, how do you balance out Courtney's energy and this kind of amazing palette that she chooses from and the, the, the ability that she has to envision a project? How do you balance out that bold vision with budget? Because I deal with it in renovations that we do at my house. Uh, I need a better strategy because it never seems to end well for me, uh, maybe behind the scenes. It, it doesn't always end well for you guys, but you, you seem to have a system figured out. Well, the system is you need you need to get join a wine club <laughs> and, and get as many boxes as you can. And I'm talking boxes of wine. Don't go with bottles, okay? Because <laughs> that's your error. Um, and just before you explain to your wife why you went over budget, have a box and and everything will go well. Yeah, I, th- I it, think it's it, stellar. It, it's a balance. Is yeah. the box for it's you, a great... Dave? Is the box for <laughs> What's you? What's that? It's for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it is. It, it, it's a balance, and and when we buy a house, my budget. I often we buy them so fast that I don't have the chance to do an inspection, or or really go through with a detailed budget line item. So I have to just kind of wing it. So I'm the winger. So when you do have those uh, quote unquote surprises, they they often are genuine surprises for you, Dave. Uh, they are absolutely genuine surprises. Um, I'm not a big fan of surprises, so every house flip um, usually pains me greatly because stuff always comes up, and we just have to deal with it on the fly. That's what we do. Yeah. It's very true. I mean, I think that I could argue the other side that some of these surprises after a hundred houses come no, up. No, don't argue every, the other side. Every house. There's no argument. <laughs> no. I think you don't really know what you're doing until you do two hundred houses. So <laughs> okay, I think exactly. we should just let it lay. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, tell us about the rise of Nashville as a popular place for Americans to live because it's it's a lot like Winnipeg in the sense that it wasn't really on the radar even 15 years ago for a lot of people, but it's one of these up-and-coming cities in the United States. Well, you know, Nashville and Winnipeg have a lot, a lot of things in common, but, um, you know, Nashville as a whole is growing so fast that, and, of course, we have the better hockey team than Winnipeg. 
But <laughs> that aside, let's let's table that. Um, people are just thriving and and coming here. Like I think the the, the stats came out. There's 150 people moving here a day, and it's one of those cities that you they're building so quickly that the infrastructure can't keep up to it. So there's condos and apartment buildings and we have more cranes in Toronto right now. And um, that's only it's because not a we're... City, huh? like it's, 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 I mean, there's bar none. The food is absolutely amazing. And I think that would surprise people. Um, every celebrity chef has opened up a restaurant in Nashville, which is pretty cool. Um, the culture, it's not just country music and honky tonks anymore. There's a lot of culture. No. There's the only replica of the Greek Parthenon, the, the the Greek Parthenon in Greece is in Nashville, and um, we now have great sports teams. And we're it looks like we're getting a, a a big soccer team. So it's like there's a lot to do. So even if you're not into country music, I say I say visit. Plus, you can come and see some of our houses. Well, you know, and obviously uh, that's a, a good thing for you because uh, time becomes a currency, right? When cities get bigger and uh, if you're flipping houses, those older houses have one major advantage over the suburbs and that's sort of close to downtown typically. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, and, and where we flip is only about seven or eight minutes from downtown. It's just east of the city. And although we flip, you know, we're, we're open to other areas, we sort of have stayed in our own playground and... Um, and it's worked for us. And as that area has grown and gentrified, um, it's paid dividends. Well, guys, we could keep you for half an hour, but we know you got other things to do. And we don't have to ask you the question about which team you would cheer for if the Jets and the Predators meet in the playoff. <laughs> Dave, you made that ultimately clear uh, as to where your loyalties lie. So uh, as much as I love you guys, I'm dialing it back just a tiny bit. Hey, well, I just maybe- want to tell you, when we are in Winnipeg, I will cheer for the Jets. So I cheer for the team that I'm in the city of. But I really do hope we win. I think Nashville and Winnipeg would be a great uh, a great competition. That is Courtney and Dave. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass, Jerry and Channel Lee Vandal. And thank you for listening to CJOB. Na, 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 na.